Hello! Welcome to a new episode from Tech on Rec. Tech on Rec is a podcast about the tech scene and the emerging economies between the Atlantic Ocean and the Arabian Gulf. This is Lena Deep, and you're about to listen to the second tape of the archive of interviews that I've done over the years during my work as a business journalist. TechCrunch had an event in Lebanon in 2018, which I was invited to, uh, to cover as part of my job and where I met my guest in this episode. Bram Shuiti is a serial entrepreneur with dozens of startups under his belt. Back in the time, he said he helped launch more than 30 startups. I don't know where he's at now. But in this tape, he takes me on a walk down his memory lane to tell me about the silver linings of the dot-com bubble in the 90s and how tech played a role in scaling his naughty business. I'd like to also note that some of this episode is in Arabic. So without further ado, let's press play. Okay, yeah. Okay. Hey, so I had like six months off to like really understand what I wanted to do. And at that time, there was a lot of Gulf money being pumped into Lebanon. Those were the golden days. Yeah. When was that exactly? Uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. So, forget it, forget it. keep it food But in the capitalize uh, on my shit, right? You know, mm. it's supposedly the best in the world. So uh, I had the hospitality background, but I lacked a bit of financials. So I did a CMA, okay, Certified Management Accountant. It's a course that you take over a year. I did it in six months and I graduated. Now I had the financial backing. And what I started to do was offer these Gulf investors hospitality-related investments in Lebanon. Okay. Halana, I grew up in Saudi Arabia, 20 okay. years there. So it helped that my parents... And you had connections. I, I had the connection. Yeah. So when they would come to Lebanon, my dad would call me, listen, so-and-so is coming, mm. take care of them, show them around. So that's what I started. I started as a broker. Mm. I'd bring them in, around Beirut. This plot is amazing for investment. This could be turned into a club. This could turn into a restaurant. And I would start small. I would broker apartments. Then I would broker buildings. Then I would broker land. And then I would start selling them hospitality projects. And within like two, three years, I became the golden boy of investments in the hotel field in Lebanon. Okay. But that grew, 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 grew to the point where I was like, now I'm financially stable. I could like grow myself. I got an office uh, in downtown. Uh, I became more known with these people. But slowly, my time was completely like taken up by them. And they would call me like 3, 4 in the morning telling me, Brahms, we're in Paris, we can't get a table, we're, we're in Ibiza, the, the bouncer won't let us in. At 3, 4 in the morning, you know. <laughs> so then I thought to myself, you know what, why don't I employ someone at the office to just take care of their lifestyle needs. Mm. So that's where I got into the concierge business. Mm. So these clients of mine, now friends, I take care of their personal and private, okay. uh, and the public life. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it picked up and that became a business on its own, the concierge business. Mm. And then one day, um, uh, the nephew of Camilla Parker Bowles, Ben Elliott, okay. came to Lebanon and said, you know what, I need a guy to handle my Middle East operations. Who mm. do you guys know in Lebanon? So they pointed him towards me. At that time, he created a club called Quintessentially. Quintessentially was known as the biggest lifestyle management club. Mm. His clients were Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow, Sharon Stone, Bill Clinton, okay. etc. So I partnered with him and I owned all the Middle East rights. So the next 10 years I was running with essentially Middle East as myself, being of course exposed to the who's who 
of uh, of that sector. Well, Akib, being exposed to these people, grew immensely my portfolio and thus my investment opportunities with these guys. And within these 10 years, I opened over 20 different companies. Mm. So the, the moment I have an idea, boom, I would take advantage of it. We were young, I wasn't married, no kids. So mm. these companies included an architecture company, a design company, a private jet uh, company, a uh, motorsports uh, racing team in partnership with a, with a Saudi gentleman, a mini financial company based in, the, in Switzerland, and so on and so on and so on for the next 10 years. Uh, and then one day, uh, I was watching uh, Facebook movies for small, uh, the social network. Oh, okay. And I was like, wow, who is this kid? And how was Tibi at those days? Facebook, social media, smartphones. So building a company is not as simple as it is today. Yeah. So today you pick up your phone, you have an idea, boom, it's online, you're yeah. selling. It was like the, the beginning, the end of dial-up internet, mm. and the beginning of high-speed internet. But that's it. Mm. All you had was Google. So building, growing, promoting, and making money was incredibly difficult. Online banking, mm. online banking, um, like uh, uh, the portals mm. didn't exist. Aye, aye, aye. It was all cash or bank transfers. So doing business the old way, mm. and I envy the youth now who are building these companies within 24 hours. Aye, they're set. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I got the bug for opening online. Online, oh. So my first online business was at Haddak. At Haddak.com turned out to be the biggest gaming website in the okay. Arab world. I wanted to make like a Facebook for gamers, especially mm. Arab gamers. Ah. And everything I did was always catered to the Arab okay. market, yeah, and never internationally. Mm. Uh, and Le. so... Le. Le, um, Is it like a comfort zone? Me, me. Mm. And Mish Pasek, I believe that I am super qualified within this region. Yeah. My first company came, it's my Hamza Tawasal. Because I was Hamza I look a bit foreign. I speak three languages, mm. but I have the Arab culture and the Arab know-how, and mm. I know what their tastes and preferences are, which put me in a position that was unbeatable. Mm. There was no one else like me. So and let me capitalize on it. Why be everything to everyone when I could be something to someone? So I was this something to these people. Mm. And it paid off. It was much easier pleasing these guys than trying to acquire foreign clients. Mm. Yeah. So at Haddad was the biggest gaming portal. We had over 3 million users, uh, but I didn't really have a monetizing strategy. You know, those days, monetization. it was like, grow, 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 and then we will think about how to make mm. money out of it. So as soon as I monetized it, I sold it mm. to a competing uh, okay. gaming company. And that's how it was. I would never hold on to a company long. I would build it, get it to profitability, and then flip it, do something else. I was more interested in the creation of business than in the management of business. I never considered myself a good manager. Mm. know I was too nice. I loved my employees, I took care of them, and they took advantage of me in some states. And so, mm. I splurge a lot, I love spending. So, I said, you know, I'm a crap manager, I'm a great business builder and creator and concept creator. So, let me concentrate on that. So, at Hadak was the first online company, and then after that, I built another 10 different web companies. Minmon Bitzid, which was the first gaming gambling okay. website in the Arab world mm. and that grew exponentially and uh, I built it in three months and sold it in six months nice. so that was really really big to competitor also in mm. the Gulf region and then I opened the Safhati network which is like six different news um, uh, websites uh, Tectic, mm. uh, um, Kura and all those things mm. you know, 
uh, and we would like we it was the first time that we built a profit sharing business whereby you as a contributor would be able to make a percentage of the sale of ads made on your content okay so that was uh, let me go back to the tweet yes so did you did you and I'm sure how is how how are legal things in, in Lebanon and yeah. the Gulf in the Gulf it's not, it's not now, but oh. in those days there was no legislation. Ah, oh. so we built it. Um, it's called uh, penny auctions. Okay. Okay. Penny auctions are in this very, very thin gray area between gambling and gaming. Okay. So at that time it was considered legal. So. Facebook allowed us to post ads, PayPal allowed us to collect our money, and we were still within an area that nobody litigated. When was that exactly? It was in 2013. Okay. 2013, we were minting it, mm. absolutely minting it. It was like the most amazing legal way of making money. And we had a few payment options. Uh, one day, PayPal writes to us and says we're freezing your account. What you're doing is illegal. No, guys, you know, but when we signed up, we sent you all the mm. papers. Everything is legit. Ah, yes, but now our litigation office thinks that way. And in the account of PayPal was $120,000. The truth is, we're going to collect it. So it took us like six months of litigation to try to get the money back. The second box was when Facebook said, well, you're not allowed to promote your ad, we're banning your ad uh, system. Why? Our penny auctions now are considered gambling, and gambling is, uh, you're not allowed to promote mm. gambling. So it's an uphill climb. Mm. We made it once, yeah, and at the time where it was amazing, Let's sell it. How did you sell your, how, how did the exit go, Yanni? <laughs> not very ethically. Okay. And whoever bought it doesn't know what we know. We were the market leaders. Those people still had their Facebook accounts and still had their payment. We were so big that we were the first ones to get fined. So, so you sold it to Phil Region? Phil Region to a competitor. Okay. In the same field. Okay. Elvis. Like on the back of the Facebook movie. The social network it says you don't get to five billion friends without making a few enemies no. at the end at the end of the day 90 percent of our business is super 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 atawli clean everything yani but 10 percent of the time you are we're still legal but i know you're doing things that you might not like personally mm. but at the end of the day you have shareholders you have partners you have employees you owe it to them yeah. to try to get the best exit possible mm. and if the guy did his due diligence then we're fine yeah, we didn't do his diligence and I'm okay. as long as we're still in the legalities keep him on both sides and they saw that it was fine yeah. we got away from that interesting <laughs> exactly okay so fast forward a few years of like doing very well in the um, in the publications industry, we were publishing articles and making money from Haida. Honey, I felt there was a slump in the ad mm. in the ad field. Agencies weren't doing so well. Uh, Facebook killed us because now you didn't need agencies. Uh, an end user will communicate directly with the client through Facebook and won't need an intermediary. And so Honey, our sales started dropping. So okay. also knowing in advance that it was going to drop, I got rid of all the online companies and started contemplating my next goal. Hone was the pivot for me. Mm. Um, I found out I had cancer. Mm. 
Okay. So I said to myself, oh, holy crap. And no, what am I doing? I'm burning myself. I'm taking 60, 70 flights a year. I'm like pissing my life away. I, I'm not spending time with my family. Only our second kid was like just mm. born. Uh, my, my wife is my business partner also. I opened up ah, Shayaka, biggest fashion concierge business in the Arab world for the like, past 10 years. That was not doing well. The websites weren't doing well. Uh, the cash was like disappearing and all these companies will now go directly to Facebook to promote, won't need us as, as middlemen mm. anymore. When it was like a wake up call to say, you know what, you got too big too fast, uh, trim down. Mm. And of course it's like a logical crap of having uh, mm. the sickness oh. like that at, at a young age. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it was like a shock to me. Mm. So What kind of cancer was it? I, it was thyroid throat. Okay. So it was like going into my mm. throat and I had to operate quickly before it got bigger. Yeah, mm. it was a very dangerous area. Mm. No, it was it was a demotivating, yeah. it was depressing. And I see fee I thought I was unstoppable yeah, yeah. So it was a completely humbling experience. Mm. Slap in the face. And as soon as I no, came back. Slow down. No. Not slow down. End it. Oh. Get out of it. Get out of everything. And I sold everything. I became a stay-at-home dad. I started changing nappies and making food and spent a year in the house doing nothing but raising the kids. Mm. Taking them to school, bringing them back from school, feeding them, having fun with the family. Uh, and it was like the best, best days. This is what I want. This is what I'm happy with. I did everything I wanted to do. I got on all the magazine covers. I got press. And I got awards, and I got, and I got, and I got investors, and I got everything. Uh, now it's time for like a new part mm. of my life: being a great dad, being a good husband, and giving talks. Uh, I started teaching at schools, universities. The two TEDx talks that I gave was in that mm. period of time. Uh, until the last is halfway, and that's great. I was very happy doing what I want. But I'm the kind of guy who likes to create at all times. So I opened up an Instagram account. Okay. One is that I used to post pics of food. I was always, I was a foodie since I was seven. Mm. I love food and I love watching food shows and I love creating content about food. And so I picked up, people started liking it, people started sharing my content, people started telling me, why don't you make this bigger? Why don't you turn this into a business? And I said, no, no, this is just my pleasure. I want to do it just for me. Mm. And lo and behold, a year after, I'm the biggest male blogger in Lebanon and the biggest food blog, one of the biggest food mm. bloggers in, in our region. Yeah. Okay. And Daddy Foodie became a business. Mm. And now I'm operating it the way I would operate any other mm. businesses. Of so mine, how, yeah. is, how is your business model? Is it like a, like a, in a normal uh, foodie, uh, like a personal ad? It's that plus content creation. Okay. So now companies come to me and say, please create content, create videos, create photos, and tell the story of our brand in a different way using your style. All right. Uh, so my style is extremely honest, extremely witty, yeah. funny, a bit naughty at times, because that's the kind of guy yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. And I'm coming into it as an independent uh, entrepreneur, I never had the limitations that oh. other bloggers have. You're the boss of yourself. Yeah. And if you don't like it, that's fine. We won't renew. But no, I will never change mm. the way I am. Yeah. And that was so refreshing for brands because that's exactly what they want. You want the honest But on an honest um. point, and I would play with my food and talk to it the way I talk to a woman. And it was like mm. crazy, it exploded. And within a year, I was able to score a brand ambassadorships for some of the biggest companies in the world and secure content creation for some of the biggest also brands in the world. And now that I, I see it successful, I, it's time to scale it. And for the moment, I haven't really done anything. Okay. It's just like 
companies coming to me and hopefully take it regional mm. so my next move is to go into the gulf and, and try to expand my network there mm. Yani, mm. and see where it takes me um my inspirations are anthony bourdain jamie oliver gordon ramsay and no mm. to become a household name in the arab world yeah. where people know you as a, a food storyteller mm, mm, mm. very interesting type i'll go grab my camera okay mm. Off yeah i will okay. take a, possibly a video so exploiting one's privileges to hack a system is something I'm usually very fond of. And I give it to Brahms for his blunt honesty. This is the main takeaway I took when interviewing this serial entrepreneur. We may not all come from money, but we are sure born with some unique perks that we can use to our benefit one way or the other. At the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with some harmless, naughty business. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope it was worth your time. I'd also like to thank my guest, Bram Shuiti, for attending to my questions and not hating me for overusing crutch words. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, you might want to check out the other tapes from the archive. This is an independent podcast run by a one-woman show. Would love to listen to your thoughts, though. Let's keep the conversation going on Tech on Rec on Instagram. Cheers!